one tiny line and phrase, sentence in the Word of God, but life will never be the same for Adam and Eve, and it will never be the same for us. This is the turning point of human history, the turning point. What happened? Well, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul said that, that sin not only entered the human race, but death with it. When the door was opened and sin came in, death came right behind it. You and I die because of what took place here. I used to work with a guy who was quite the rapscallion. Uh, one of the things he did was to get into another co-worker's toolbox and steal a big handful of peanuts that the guy liked to munch on. Well, if that wasn't enough, if I was there and uh, I saw him, he knew that I wouldn't approve it, so he'd offer some to me, as if the peanuts were his to offer. Where have we seen this kind of stuff before? Well, how about chapter 3 of Genesis? That was the first time. Eve not only ate the forbidden fruit, she also gave it to Adam. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve is beginning his third message in this series of sermons from Genesis chapter 3 about the fall of man. It's pretty common to throw Eve under the bus when it comes to that terrible day in the Garden of Eden. And what she did was absolutely wrong, but it wasn't nearly as wicked as what Adam did. Let's listen as Pastor Steve explains just how guilty Adam really was. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. While you're turning there, you should know that will be our study this morning. You have uh, notes to, uh, to take notes, to fill them in. But uh, let me begin by saying that in the city of Philadelphia, I am told there is a wall that contains a piece of graffiti that, that I really think captures better than, than most things that I have ever read, the spirit of our age, the spirit of our world. And the graffiti simply reads this way, Humpty Dumpty was pushed. Now, I, I thought that was original. I told some people I was going to say that this morning. I said, oh, I've known that for years. But I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And I'll tell you why. Because the spirit of our age is an age of excuses. It's an age of, uh, of saying, it, it can't be my fault. I've not done anything wrong. Uh, it's an age of shifting the blame to somebody else. And uh, carried over to Humpty Dumpty language, it means that it, it wasn't Humpty Dumpty's fault that he fell. Somebody came behind him and pushed him. And that's why all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put him back together again. Now, you and I may think that's humorous. Then again, you may not think that's humorous. But I assure you that society lives by excuses. Society lives today by excuses to, to a point that it is absolutely ludicrous and absurd that hardly anyone wants to take responsibility. Consider this, the true story of a bodybuilder who broke into six Maryland homes, set fire to three of them, and stole cash and jewelry. A judge ruled him guilty, but not criminally responsible. Why? Because his high usage of anabolic steroids for weightlifting left him, and I quote, suffering from organic personality syndrome, which translates to mean no jail time. No jail time. Or consider this, the rise of new uh, addictions, disorders, and diseases that view people not uh, as responsible, but as victims. People aren't sexually perverted anymore. They are victims of sexual addiction. Do you imagine the Apostle Paul saying that? Uh, caffeine dependency has actually been cited in criminal cases. 
And there's even a space-age ailment called computer addiction. Now, you may think uh, it just means that you're on the computer a lot. I like the Internet, and I just don't want to get off. That's not what they mean by that. Com- computer addiction is this. It has nothing to do with what I just mentioned. Uh, let me tell you what it is What it is dealing with. In one case, a judge cited this ailment, computer addiction, in the case of a man who stole computers. He was addicted to computers, so he stole them. What does that translate to? The man was sentenced to a year, not of punishment in jail, but a year's treatment for this disorder. He has a disorder. It's not his fault. He's a victim. Now, what does this have to do with Genesis chapter 3? Absolutely nothing, but it's interesting, isn't it? No, no, I just... No, it really does. It really does. Because because in Genesis 3, we are introduced to the first excuse makers, or at least the first time they made an excuse, and that's Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first ones to start making excuses. After the fall of man, Adam blamed Eve... And he really blamed God. The woman that you gave me is responsible. She gave me the fruit to eat. And when God turned to Eve and said, and what about you? She said, well, it was the devil, the serpent, who deceived me. Our generation did not invent excuses. Adam and Eve invented excuses. But I think we've taken it to a new level. We've gone where no one else has ever gone before. And because of that, we want to uh, study Genesis chapter 3, because excuse-making is the result of the fall. It's a result of being sinful. Sin affects the human race the same way. The same We can look at Adam and Eve and say the same way that sin affected them and what it resulted in is absolutely the same way it affects us today and, and the way it uh, issues out in our own lives. The fall of man, with that came the results of sin, and these results are still affecting us. Excuse-making is just one of those results. In other words, here's the point. What Adam and Eve experienced after they sinned is exactly what we experience today as a result of our sin. We're really no different. Now, why is this important for us to know? Because it helps us to understand what our real problem is. What is our real problem? There are people who think, what's wrong with me? There's an uneasiness I have in me. What is it? Well, the problem is sin disobedience to God. And that's why life is so painful at times and and also confusing. It's because of sin, not circumstances, not the person you're married to or how your parents treated you. It is because you are a sinner and I am a sinner. And even though most of us here are believers in Jesus Christ, but even if you are a Christian, sin still affects you. Even though you are forgiven, sin still affects you. Obviously, it affects us, but we want to make sure it doesn't get the best of us, that it doesn't um, uh, control us in the sense that we are, we are those who uh, allow sin to be victorious in our lives. We want to understand the workings of sin, and we need a passage of Scripture like Genesis 3 to help us because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and it will deceive you at this point. So to understand the effects of sin is really the first step to dealing with the problem of sin in your life. So this morning you have your outline before you. We're going to, as we go through Genesis chapter 3 verses 6 through 13, we're going to see three ways that sin has affected us. Or you could put it this way, these are three results of being a sinner. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is in the text, and that's what we're committed to studying. So the first way that sin affects us is that it uh, it results in guilt, in guilt. Notice the end of verse 
6. We've really studied up to the end of verse 6 where Eve was tempted and she sinned. But the end of verse 6 says this, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Several weeks ago, we studied, in fact, we studied for a couple of weeks, the devil's deceitful tempting of Eve that, that pushed Eve to disobey God. Remember what he used? He was deceitful. He came in the form of a serpent. He uh, brought doubt into her mind concerning God's word. Has God really said this? And then he outright denied God's word. God said, the day that you eat, you will die, meaning spiritually, you will die. You'll be separated from God. And the devil said, you will not. That will not take place. You will not die. He outright denied God's word. And uh, and Eve took of the forbidden fruit, and she disobeyed God. Now, even though she was the first human to sin, the human race did not fall with Eve. And that's a very important uh, theological point. Mankind didn't fall with her. Why? Because Adam was the head of the human race. And therefore, as its head, he was responsible for its actions. The Apostle Paul makes this very clear in Romans chapter 5. And, and really, this was all Satan's strategy. Get at Eve, so you, through Eve, would get at her husband. Would get at her husband. And that's exactly what happened. She gave Adam the fruit, and he ate. Now, this is just one small statement. Let me read it again in verse 6. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. One tiny line and phrase, sentence, in the word of God but life will never be the same for Adam and Eve, and it will never be the same for us. This is the turning point of human history, the turning point. What happened? Well, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul said that, that sin not only entered the human race, but death with it. When the door was opened and sin came in, death came right behind it. You and I die because of what took place here. But Scripture doesn't say that Adam was the only one responsible in a way that I can't fully understand it, the Bible says that we sinned in Adam. He was the head of the race, and we, in the language of the Bible, were in his loins, and we sinned with Adam, unless anyone think, well, I would never do that. All of us would do that if we were there. Adam didn't do something that we would be above. We all sinned in Adam. We die, and uh, not only did we sin in Adam, from that point on, we fell. You and I are sinners by nature, born into this world as sinful because our first parents were sinners, became sinners. And so one small statement in the Bible, but is the pivotal statement in the word of God. Now, have you ever wondered why Adam did this? Have you ever thought, wondered, I mean, Eve was deceived, but the Bible never says that Adam was deceived. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, but I would write this down in your notes. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 Thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, explains to us what took place. He writes this, And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, being quite deceived, not just deceived, but quite deceived, fell into transgression. In other words, Eve was deceived into disobedience by Satan, but Adam knew exactly what he was doing. His action was willful, his action was deliberate, and it was wicked rebellion. Eve really thought, as we put this together from Genesis 3 and 1 Timothy 2, Eve really thought that if she took of this fruit, she would be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what the devil told her. But according to 1 Timothy 2, Adam didn't believe that. He wasn't deceived. He knew better. He knew that if he took of the fruit, he would not be like God, knowing good and evil. He just rebelled in defiance of God's word. 
That's what this means. Now, Paul's point in 1 Timothy 2, which bears weight and gives us light to Genesis 3, is this. His point is that Adam was led by Eve into sin. In 1 Timothy 2, he's talking about leadership there in the church, and he says that men ought to leave. But Adam was led by Eve into sin when he should have been the one leading her away from sin. Where was Adam when Eve was being tempted? Well, we don't know. We don't know if he was standing right there. We don't know if he was cultivating the garden some other place. But Adam should have been leading Eve away from sin and temptation. Instead, he was led by Eve into sin. Now, does this mean that a husband should never take his wife's advice? Now, what did you say, Michelle? I should say on this. No, I'm kidding. No, I've, I've actually heard of a, a well-known Bible teacher who said that. And spiritual matters, don't take your wife's advice. Well, that's absurd. That's absurd. Most, most of us, most of us as men realize that our wives know far better than we do. And we should take their advice. But I think the principle is this. There are times that we are led into sin because we put the word of our spouse or their desires above the written word of God. You see, whenever we put our spouse, or, or it could be a boyfriend, it could be a girlfriend, it could be any relationship, above God, we are bound to sin, and the Bible calls this in other places idolatry. You never want to put anyone, no matter how close you are to them, no matter how much you love them, you never want to put them above the word of God. And I'm just going to speculate at this point. I don't know this to be fact. The word doesn't say this. But maybe Adam rebelled against God because he was afraid of losing Eve. That's a, that's a real possibility. That he didn't want to go on. He knew that she would die, and he didn't want to go on life like that. Now, I'm not saying that the Word teaches that, but that may very well have been uh, his reasoning. Regardless of what his reasoning was, we know that he did what she wanted rather than what God wanted, and I want to warn you against that. There are many men, many women who fall into sin because they will not put God first in their lives. They are afraid of losing that closeness with their spouse. They're afraid their spouse might leave them if they obey God and put him first. And uh, I urge you to put the Lord first or it's idolatry. That's why in the Old Testament, God forbid the Israelites from intermarriage with other people. That's why they weren't even to have other fel uh, fellowship with, with other people. And, and that's much of the, um, uh, of the reasoning for the, uh, the food being different. Don't eat their food. It wasn't that the food was wrong, the dietary laws. It was that if you were to eat their food, you would fellowship with them. Stay away from them in social settings because if you get too close, some of you will marry them and you will be led into sin because you will follow the worship of the Canaanites rather than me. Well, Adam, we know, chose to put Eve above God and the results of sin. And with sin came the first effect of sin, guilt. They felt guilty. And they should have felt guilty. They were guilty. Verse 7. Here's how their guilt evidenced itself. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Satan had said, remember, that by eating the forbidden fruit, their eyes would be opened, but he never said what they would see when their eyes were opened. That's how deceitful he is. And now for the first time, they saw themselves as sinners who had lost the beauty of innocence. They lost it. And therefore, for the first time, they knew that they were naked. This was a very, very new experience because in chapter 2, verse 25, the chapter closes this way, and the man and, the, and, and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That is to say that they felt exposed. 
because they were exposed. Their nakedness exposed them for what they had become, rebels before a holy God. This is why there is shame and embarrassment in them, not only in front of each other, but also in front of God. Notice verse 10. It says, uh, I heard, Adam later says, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, says to God, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. It isn't that they're just ashamed to be in each other's presence and be seen for what they really are, but they don't want to be seen in God's presence. In other words, they saw themselves as disrobed of the honor and dignity that had once been theirs. They saw themselves as shameful, disgraceful sinners, and they hid. For the first time, they felt guilt. For the first time, they felt shame and embarrassment. So what did they do? Well, verse 7 says that they they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They try to cover up. They try to hide their shame and their guilt by covering themselves with with crude aprons made by their own hands from, from fig leaves. Now, I want you to realize that something is very important here. The problem is not that they try to cover up. They should have covered up. The problem is how they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. That's that's the real problem. You see, they were right to want to cover up. They want to cover up their nakedness and deal with their shame, but they went about it the wrong way. Why do I say that? If you notice verse 21 of chapter 3, later on the Bible says this, and the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. God clothed them. God clothed them, had to kill animals to do this, killed animals, to get their skin. In other words, the thought here is that blood was shed to deal with their sin. There had to be some animals dying. And I think this is a wonderful God-designed illustration of Christ's future death for all sinners. All the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament pointed to the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Why? Because years later, Jesus, being God, would leave his home in heaven and come to earth and die for our sins so that those who believe in him would be clothed with his righteousness. The robe of his righteousness. Adam and Eve understood they were sinners, but they went about dealing with their sin the wrong way. They went about it the wrong way. They tried to clothe themselves with something that they could do, some human attempt, rather than what God would provide. And, and this is what years later the prophet Isaiah said, all of our, uh, all of our uh, righteousness is like filthy rags. He said, let me read it to you, Isaiah 64, verse 6. And I think I put this in your notes so you can look this up. Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like, filth, like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. But he also said in Isaiah 61, verse 10, he said, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. As a bride and a bridegroom dress beautifully, so God has dressed us up, and we know from the New Testament, in the robes of righteousness and salvation which come from Jesus Christ. We have none of our own. And I think there's a certain sense in which we try to do the same thing as Adam and Eve did. Now, we don't try to cover ourselves up with fig leaves, dealing with our sin, but we try to cover up our guilt with some human attempts. We could call it religion. We could call it social niceties, social involvement. We could even call it education. And there are people who don't want to face the fact that they are sinners. And so they try to cover up 
their shame and their guilt with all kinds of other things, and uh, it is unacceptable. The bottom line is that all human attempts to deal with guilt is really a form of self-righteousness. It's the form of self-righteousness, something that we do, that we think we can do to try to cover our shame and sinful condition. I'll tell you this, believers who should know better do this as well. They do this as well. Believers who have accepted Christ, at times when they sin, they are so bothered by their sin, even though they confess their sin, even though they repent of their sin, they are so bothered, they confess all day, they don't need to. You need to accept the forgiveness that has come in the person of Jesus Christ. You need to accept God's word. And then once in a while, someone will say, and I think this, and people have given this counsel, and it's just uh, unbiblical. In fact, it's heretical to say, well, what you need to do, you need to forgive yourself. You don't need to forgive yourself. The Bible doesn't say you need to forgive yourself. You didn't sin against yourself. You sinned against God. You need God's forgiveness, which you have in Jesus Christ, and you've repented. You need to accept the forgiveness that's already there. You need to believe the word. If you feel guilty today, it's because you are guilty. Because you are guilty. That, that goes against modern psychology, which tries to say you're not really guilty. It's somebody else's fault. It's not your fault. It's society, your parents. You're not guilty. Listen, if you feel guilty, it's because you are guilty. And you need to be clothed with Christ's righteousness, which he offers as a gift to those who trust him as Lord and Savior. First, though, you need to know that you're guilty. You need to know you're guilty and not try to cover it up. Jesus once told a group of religious leaders, only those that are sick need a physician. Now, I didn't mean that there are certain people who are sick and other people who are not sick. What he meant is that only those who know, who are aware that they are uh, sick and sinful, will run to the great physician, will run to him for salvation. You've got to know that you're a sinner. If you feel guilty, face it. It's because you are guilty. That is the plight of mankind. We are guilty. We're not born good. No one is ever born good, not after what Adam and Eve did and what we actually did in Adam. So the first effect of man's sinfulness and the fall of man is that he's guilty before God. The feeling of guilt is a lot like the check engine light on your car. You can find out why it's there and do something about it, or you can just put some tape over it and keep driving for a while. Taping over it is more expeditious at the moment, but it's really a bad decision in the long run, isn't it? That feeling of guilt is there for a reason, and it might just be because we are guilty. Thankfully, the Bible has the diagnostic codes to identify the problem, and Jesus has the ability to fix what we've broken. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area and looking for a church, I know you'll find a warm welcome and accurate Bible teaching that's both encouraging and convicting. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. For service times, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 or visit the website lakesidechapel.com. The phone number again is 727 727- 441-1714. I want to thank all the generous and thoughtful listeners who faithfully pray for and give to Verse by Verse Ministries. Your prayers and gifts are vital to keeping this Bible study on the air. We're grateful. To give to Verse by Verse Ministries, click the giving link at versebyverseradio.org. And while you're at our website, don't forget the hundreds of previous broadcasts on the Message Archive page that are available for you to stream or download. That's at versebyverseradio.org. 
By the way, it's been a while since I've mentioned this, but Pastor Steve has asked me to make this offer whenever I get the chance, so let me do that now. It's a special notice for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and you want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. I'm Jerry Peterson. As we've seen today, sin leads to guilt. On the next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will show us something else that sin produces. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. It's Andrew Southwick, and I want to tell you about the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, happening August 28th through September 4th. On the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, you'll enjoy the splendor of God's creation while worshiping with acclaimed Christian music artist Laura Story and hearing inspiring messages.